Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so the Austin Police Department released a warning this weekend. It said warning with the UT football game in Austin city limits falling on the same weekend the influx of football game attendees and festival goers has stretched Austin police staffing to critical levels. So once that announcement was made, complete chaos erupted in downtown Austin, literally. Uh, So we had, man, several little incidences happen in downtown Austin. You actually had a case of a man stabbed in the chest on 6th Street in Natchez. You had a person shot, another another person was stabbed in a totally separate incident. Complete chaos. Uh, person was struck by a vehicle in central East Austin. This all happened downtown Austin on Friday night and Saturday night where we had ACL festival going on. Uh, we had the UT football game. Attendees were downtown Austin. And we also had the soccer game. That was going on this weekend as well, so which is happening right now. And so, so many different things are going on, you know, and it's just complete chaos. Got to be safe out there because unfortunately, for some reason, I don't know why we're doing this. We're putting the same people in office. So I want to change gears a little bit. And I want to tell you about some candidates that are actually running for office that can change some of the craziness that we're experiencing in this town. Uh, we need to get involved in this election and take a look at some of these candidates and decide if you're going to vote for some of these people. Because if we continue to put the same type of person in office, you're going to get the same result. And that is just crazy. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So we, we got to do something different. If, you're, if you want to in, increase, uh, uh, you know, we want to have more law enforcement in downtown Austin. We want to fix that budget for our Austin Police Department. We want to have people answering the phone when you call 911. We've got to put someone different in office. We need a different mayor. We need a different city council. So let me bring Hey, that. hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm getting off the rails here. But we need to have someone different in that seat. We need to make a change here in Austin. We need to get Austin back to the way Austin was. 
There's no reason why you can't call 911 and actually get a 911 dispatcher. There's a reason when you call 911, you ask for a police officer. A police officer should be able to show up if you need assistance. Um, so let me bring into the conversation General Bill Welch. Uh, General uh, Welch is running for District 5 with Austin City Council. Uh, General Welch, welcome to come and talk to sir. Uh, thank you, Michael. It's good to be here with you today. Absolutely. So you're a general. Well, retired. Air retired. Force, Brigadier General, yeah. Retired yeah. Air Force General. Nice. Yeah. Uh, tell us about yourself. Well, I've lived in Austin, uh, or in the district, in fact, uh, or at least had a home here for the last 38 years. Um, and my wife lived here all the time. The only time I wasn't here is when I was deployed off to the war or when I was serving in Korea for my last three years of duty. Um, but uh, I, I'm running here because after 38 years of living in Austin, I'm just, I'm just so discouraged by the uh, terrible, terrible leadership that has uh, uh, shown its uh, face here in Austin. Terrible decisions have been made. Things like defunding the police, which is a direct, uh, the direct result of that is uh, the very issue you're talking about, the inability to uh, properly respond to incidents around town. And uh, the, uh, the, the terrible decision to uh, open up the streets to camping by uh, people who have very, very serious issues, drugs, alcohol, uh, mental illness. Uh, they, they invade the streets. They they're in neighborhoods all around town making things unsafe, and it's, it's just a continual decline of the wonderful, wonderful quality city that I remember, and uh, I want to bring it back. My whole uh, campaign theme is uh, a return to reason. Let's get back to a reasonable uh, structure on the council and bring in a voice of reason, and that voice of reason is me. Uh, like I say, retired Brigadier General, great experience there and leadership and such. Um, I'm also a retired businessman and entrepreneur. Uh, having had a number of different businesses here in the Austin area and uh, a long career in, in, in business, and um, now I'm retired. Now I have the time and the experience, a breadth and depth of experience that is valuable to the decision-making processes that go on at the council. And I can bring a nice uh, perspective to the other people, uh, understanding where we need to go to uh, bring our city back to a reasonable uh, quality. All right, so General Welsh, tell me, what can we do as far as, uh, you know, the homeless problem? Well, I, I believe it's, uh, I don't like to call it necessarily a homeless. They are homeless, but they're homeless by choice. These are people with very serious drug, alcohol, mental illness issues. Now, there are people, let's say a, a, a single mother who loses her job that may be out on the street. Well, we have good facilities for them, and we, those people are being taken care of. The ones that we really have a problem with that we call the homeless, but what they really are are people with very, very serious uh, health issues. Uh, we need to take care of them in a proper manner. It's not buying hotels and putting them in a hotel room. <laughs> it's putting them in a care facility that, that uh, with people who are experts in dealing with the issues that these individuals have. So I say this. I say, let's uh, create a response team and have an immediate response to reports of uh, encampments that that response is uh, made by health professionals that have an understanding of, of the individual's needs, supported, only supported by police in the event of violence. The police can stand by. And it's not a police issue. It's one of mental, uh, mental health and uh, uh, care facilities. So, and then we need to get these people off the street. We need to take them off, put them in a care facility. They leave the care facility, they go back on the street, we take them off, we put them back in the facility. We cannot accept and, and support and allow a continuation 
of the type of uh, behavior that's going on in our streets today. Okay. And then so what, what do we do with our law enforcement issue? Because there's a problem with not having enough law enforcement. We've defunded the police. We've taken resources away from our local police department because some people feel that maybe we have too many police and they want to handle the problems on their own. Yeah, well, I can tell you, I, I'm well equipped to handle the problem on my own. In fact, I got my, my uh, concealed handgun permit with you uh, over at uh, your uh, gun shop here. But um, we, we really do need, we need more police on the streets. Uh, it was a huge mistake to defund them. It's a terrible mistake to continue to uh, put a lot of uh, uh, negative pressure on our police uh, forces. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, and, and just as an example, I think I did a ride-along a couple weeks ago with one of our officers uh, in, on a night shift. And when I showed up, uh, he, he, the first thing he did is he pulled up on his computer the screen. And on the screen he went, wow, typical night. I go, what's that? And he goes, there were 20 people on hold on 911 for five minutes or longer right now. Five minutes or longer, 20 people. Now, if you have a serious emergency, you're waiting five minutes or longer. That's insane. And the reason is it's just not enough 911 operators. Well, we've got to, re- got to fully staff that. And by the way, those 911 operators right now are working unbelievably uh, hard, impossible jobs where they deal with these terrible issues. They need mental health uh, uh, support. They need... Uh, you know, uh, more people so that they can have the appropriate amount of time off. Then our officers on the street, all right, here's the next question. I said, well, how are we doing on our manning out here? He says, well, tonight we're doing two districts uh, we'll talk about. He says, in one of the districts, normally there would be eight cars on duty. I go, how many we got tonight? He goes, one. Holy smokes. I said, well, how about this district that you and I will be in? He says, we should have 12. I said, how many we have? We got three. I said, my goodness, how do we even cover the the, uh, the minor incidents, uh, I mean, the major incidents, never mind the minor incidents, and it's really a problem. One last item, just recently, right in my own neighborhood, in Onion Creek, a very nice South Austin neighborhood right off of I-35, there's a small shopping center out in front. Well, a strange van pulled in there, just sitting in the parking lot, and one of the store owners reported it as this odd vehicle just sitting out there, and it's kind of a strange guy lurking around. Right, hold that thought there. I'm going to let you finish that when we come back from the break. Also, want to ask you, um, someone asked, uh, are you going to tackle the current money laundering scheme? Not sure what that's all about. We'll find out when we come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Peace. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk Radio with Michael Cargill. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back. And man, I'll tell you, you know, you, I don't even call the police anymore because I, I, it's going to be forever, you know, holding on the phone. Uh, trying to get a dispatcher, you know, that talking to the 911 dispatcher there. It's going to be forever, you know, trying to get a police officer because there's not enough law enforcement in this town. So we just document at this point, you know, and we're, you know, Central Texas Gunworks is located right there in the heart of Austin, Texas. We're on Ben White between South First and Congress. So I don't, you know, we, we just stop calling the police and we just deal with it ourselves. So check a look at, at this right here. So this happened at four o'clock in the morning in our parking lot. Random people just showed up in our parking lot completely high and almost to the point of ODing in the parking lot, just walking around randomly walking. You, you have to go to Facebook. You got to go to YouTube and take a look at this video. And we just recorded this. These are different people, random people at 4 o'clock in the morning just in our parking lot. Just, it's crazy. It's not even Halloween. I just I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. It I, it, it, I don't know what, what's the drug that that that's that's around right now. Meth? No, it's not meth. It's uh, uh something that they're lacing things with. I don't even know. Someone, someone help me out. They're lacing crack. No, <laughs> fentanyl. fentanyl. That's yes. right. Ooh. Yeah. So that's it's just stuff. Oh yeah, it's just, man, and and people are dying from this stuff. And you just, we just have people just showing up in our parking lot. Just wandering off the street into the parking lot, don't even know where they are, not even making any sense at four and five o'clock in the morning. Nothing's even open at that time frame. And they just wander in. And this is where we are today. This is the heart of downtown Austin. And it is completely out of control. This is the city count this is what city council has done to us. This is what our mayor has done. This is the situation they put they put us in. So hey, let's hey, hey. <laughs> let me let me bring into the conversation another candidate that's running for office who's running district three and that is esla wishner who's running for austin city council district three esla welcome to come and talk it sir hey uh how are you doing mike thanks for having me here yes my name is esla wishner and i'm uh, running to be your uh, council member for district three awesome. all right so esla tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you want to do for district three well, you know, um, I lived in Austin for four years. I lived in District 3, I mean, District 3 for four years. I'm an Air Force veteran. I used to be stationed in uh, Laughlin Air Force Base, where you see the open borders at right now. But, uh, you know, I came to uh, Austin. I loved the city originally. It was a great music scenery, local small businesses, and it was extremely safe. And uh, over the number of the, uh, after COVID, you know, I got my stuff was getting stolen. People weren't driving properly. It got a little dangerous, and I want to do something to fix it. Okay, and so what do you? How do you, how do we fix the homeless situation? Because I think you had a plan for it. Right, right. So my uh, my homeless situation is, um, you know, I would say it's more like a common sense base. So uh, I used to volunteer for Haven for Hope in uh, San Antonio, Texas, mm -hmm. 
So one of the things I um, used to ask people was like, hey, how do we help the homeless people? So uh, most of the time, you know, when we hear about homeless people, we think about the people on the street. But, you know, you got to see the difference. There's a, bit, uh, there's a difference between people that are on drugs that just they love drugs more than they, uh, you know, love each other or themselves. And there's other people that have unfortunate things happen to them, like their house burned down or something else happened. They just need a means to get by until they get back on their feet. That's exactly what Ho Haven for Homeless does. You know, they, they help these people that, you know, maybe people that just got out of jail or the people that the house burned down, they get them in, they make sure that they get back to the job market, they help them find jobs and everything else. So also they let people in that have drug addiction issues, they give them chances, but you know, after so much, they can't really help them anymore because you know, no, no one can help people that just don't want to help themselves eventually. So I want to bring a, um, you know, organization like Haven for Hope for Austin that can deal with all that. Also, uh, maybe help some other organization, like a nonprofit organization that actually can tackle the people that are addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. See if it actually, uh, you know, uh, give the results. If it doesn't give results, we'll move on to a different organization. There's plenty of example of these organizations, you know, Georgia and other uh, states in the United States. All right. And there, there are other candidates that are running this race also. Um, and you're kind of young. So why, you know, should we give you our vote? You know, I, I am young, and uh, the difference is that there's a lot of young voters that are mad. A lot of these young voters are brainwashed. They don't know anything different. They think cops are bad. It's just because our schools, Facebook, Instagram, social media, they have censored all this information. So these young voters have no idea what is going on. And me being young, I have an understanding how these young people think. And I want to give them the actual materials so they can actually open their eyes so they can see that they haven't. They don't know the full truth behind what's going on. So I want to uh, talk to the younger base, along with the older audience, to really give them all the materials they need in order to see who they're voting for, why they're voting for. They're not so they're not voting on based on lies. Right. And then what about the issue of um, man, my uh, my property taxes is going up. You know, is increasing. Also, you know, my renters. You know, people that are renting are having to pay this high, you know, high amount of money. For rent, back when I, I first moved to Austin, back in the 1990s, man, it was like it was nice. You, I can I can find a place to live for like seven, eight hundred bucks. Now you're looking at fifteen hundred grand. Right, right. I mean, uh, you know, I'm someone that you know, I pay apartment complex or living grant. I also did the student housing, so I know that uh, having high property taxes and uh, over in Austin, everything just gone up dramatically. So one of the things that I kind of already started doing um, is that I'm trying to contact all these renting property companies and see if I can, if we collectively gather, you know, if the council members like me were to get elected along with uh, a good, great mayor candidate were to get elected, I want all of us to collectively together try to uh, tackle down all these organizations that own these rental properties in Austin and see if we were to lower the property taxes down, would they actually lower their rent prices down? Now, if they don't want to lower their property taxes, well, I'll talk to some of the other apartments, see if they want to lower their property taxes. Then I will want to, I want to make it public to force these other companies to lower their rent prices because these other people are, you know, lowering their property taxes. Okay. So I really want to come up with a solution to that way to tackle the property taxes. All right. General Welch, uh, uh, someone asked um, um, a couple things here. So one, I want you to address the, the issue of the, uh, the money laundering. <laughs> I, I think he was talking about um, uh, hotels. Yeah, yeah hotels. Uh, the city of Austin buying hotels, and then there's another question someone asked: uh, City Council, City Council cut APD's budget by 150 million in 2020. 
and then they approved the highest APD budget ever of $442 million in 2021. So how are they defunded again is what they're asking for that second question. But go ahead, the first question of the, the, the money laundering scheme. Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, entirely familiar with exactly what went on in this situation, but should I be elected to the city council, I would like to know more detail, I assure you. Um, It's been a problem in the past. I can tell you that there have been uh, examples of the city acquiring office buildings from, you know, friends or whatever back when the office market was in the tank. And uh, now here we have these hotels that were purchased uh, and the price that was paid is uh, pretty exorbitant. And so it raises questions. Why did we have to pay so much money for a hotel that really wasn't functioning very well as a hotel and you want to turn it into a, a, a quote, homeless facility. Um, And and I think there's some real good reason for question there. Uh, But that's part of what I want to do. It's it's called accountability. It's it's raising the issue, saying, tell me more. Why did we do it this way? Why did we pay the amount of money that we paid? And holding city staff accountable for the decisions that are made uh, of this nature. Um, On the second score, what what were... Refresh my memory. All right. So City Council cut APD's budget by $150 right. million in 2020, then approved the highest APD budget ever of $442 million in 2021. Uh, and the question is, did they... How, uh, how are they defunded again? Right. And um, even if they are fully funded, it's not uh, allocated in, in a manner that makes it, uh, it uh, truly efficient in terms of getting more officers on the street. And here's what we have to do. There's a modeling process that was uh, put together by the... Uh, 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 what is it? The Greater Austin Crime Commission worked together with the Texas A&M and they developed this modeling process where they can determine more accurately, not just a number of officers per thousand, but more accurately in terms of the type of crime that are committed during in, in different parts of town and allocate properly resources to deal with that type of crime. We need to we need to be more in tune with that and make sure that we're hiring the officers necessary to get in there. But here's the thing. We can want to hire hundreds and hundreds of new officers. We could have the budget for it. But unless we support our police, unless we're standing up for them and saying, we recognize the difficult job you have, unless we get off the backs of these young men and women who are out there defending our community every day and stop saying you need greater scrutiny on every element of every part of the job that you do, and unless we understand that sometimes dealing with crisis like they deal with is a difficult, difficult process, and it can oftentimes inflate into a serious uh, incident of uh, violence, right? Well, we can't just tear them apart for having to respond to that in, a, in, a, in a, a also back with violence. All right. We come back from the break. We'll finish that thought. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talking. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill. Come and talk it. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Man, on Esla, you're running for City Council District 3. You know, the Austin Police Department, they're trying to, I guess, you know, get cadets into the next academy. And it's been kind of hard on them. It's been, it's been hard because the city uh, leadership, you know, stopped, I guess, did something and stopped the, uh, the cadet classes or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Right, right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the police been asking for help a very long time. They never had proper training, and even the cadet cadets are way, way too short. So all these cadets, they've been asking, hey, we need better training. We, we need better training so we can actually de-escalate a lot of these situations properly. And the police never had the enough funding for it. And also, over the time frame, you know, everyone was talking about how bad the police officers are. People are afraid to join the police forces anymore just because they're just afraid to do their job, especially when a lot of these police are getting indicted uh, for listening to the orders that are given by supervisors. So when you hear all these negative things about the police officers, people don't really want to join the cadet classes anymore. So we need to bring the morales back. We need to make sure that uh, police members are being treated properly and, you know, incentivize a lot of these police members to join the police force. Now, to do that, we got to make sure that our district attorney is not, you know, uh, mishandling these police officers, indicting these police officers for doing their job. So we need to make sure they're safe, incentivize them to join the police academy, extend their training, give them the materials, and reallocate the money back to the you know the the motor area, the highway traffic that's all been disbanded. So we need to give all the money back to the proper areas that it always had. That's one of the reasons uh, crime is really high. Even though the money's uh, gone back in, the money went to different areas that doesn't really need that much money. The money needs to go back to the areas that it used to be, the DWI units or the, the traffic violation units, the park units. That's where need the money goes to. So we need to uh, rehire police officers more, extend the training, and you know give them a bonus just like how they do in the Air Force. You know, In the Air Force, if you want to be a policeman, you give them bonuses. So bring bonus program, get the better police, uh, police people back on force, give them a better pay raise. So I think that's one of the best ways we can do to uh, re-bring uh, the – academic trainings back and the cadets. All right, let me play devil's advocate then uh, because, I, you know, I like jumping on I-35 and going from North Austin to South Austin and getting there by 15 minutes right now. 
So I don't, I'm, I'm fine with not having police on the highway. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Um, you know, it, it's, it's fun when you say that. You know, yesterday I was driving. This guy just stopped right in the middle of the road. I almost got into an accident. There was this other guy. There was an 18-wheeler that, that was driving, and this other guy that was left to it, he wasn't going straight. He just decided to stay right next to it, driving extremely slow, and there's just so much traffic behind. Only thing I want to do is get out of my car and just punch the window or something like that. But the thing is that we don't need like that. We don't need citizens like me or anybody else to become the law enforcement. We need to actually hire police officers so they can do that so the citizens don't have to be police officers. So we need to have it back. That way my car insurance can go down because I'm so tired of paying so much for car insurance. So uh, more police officers mean our car insurance will reduce because we have less crime and uh, less uh, police violations or car accidents on the road. Okay. Well, maybe it's time that we stop relying on police officers to, you know, handle issues for us. Well, you know what? Uh, I would, you know, everybody would love that idea, you know, but obviously everyone is very different. You know, we, we all want to do the right thing, but there's always bad actors, bad players. I used to be a troublemaker in school. I used to break the law. So, you know, but when there's a police officer out there, you know what? I'm afraid to go to jail. You know, I'm afraid to not get a job. So just having authority there makes me actually want to behave as much as I can. Yes, I might break the laws on the side, you know, behind someone's back, but at least majority of the crimes would stop just because there's a force out there that might actually get you in trouble. And then playing devil's advocate, um, what, do you, what do you say to those people that say, hey, you know, for, for the longest, police officers are not held to any type of standard at all. And so now the system is kind of correcting itself by holding them to a, a higher standard and holding them accountable. You know, what do you say about that? There's always bad actors on every level. Just because one or two people do something bad does not mean that everybody else need to get punished. For example, you're, you're in classroom and your teacher makes a mistake. The best teacher that you have just make a, a grammatical mistake or mathematical mistakes. Everyone's always makes the fun of the teacher. Are you going to fire that teacher? No. The teacher learns the mistake and the teacher will do better. So you can't just go after all these police officers for one or two mistakes that they might make. They always put their life on the line every single day and they see so many different situations. They get Sometimes they get panicked. We're human beings. We're not a robot. We, we don't need to just go after these police officers like that. Obviously, they need better training. We need to give them better safety equipment to handle their trainings better. We, we just can't fix that. We're not, we don't live in a utopia. Okay. Bill? Interesting question you pose, Zach. <laughs> but I'm not sure I can support the concept of getting rid of police and letting us all arm up and cover ourselves. But what I do support wholeheartedly is being prepared. Um, mm-hmm. that, that I think it's important. That's why I took Michael's course at the gun shop, the, the, the concealed carry uh, law. I wanted to understand what the rules were that were associated with my carrying a weapon, all right? When I can use it, when I should use it. But I don't want to be the police officer. I don't want to be responding to my neighbor's house up the street, <laughs> my immediate neighbor's house. I've already chased burglars off. But you know, r- running up the street to, to break, you know, somebody's breaking in and I'm the guy that has to respond. I don't want it to be like that. I want to know that we have a police force that can be there in reasonable time to take care of their needs. So while I, I, I understand where you're heading, I also think that it's important that we, we maintain, as uh, Eskiel says, a, a, uh, a deterrence, a visible force in the community that says, if you do something wrong, I will be there 
to catch you and to take you uh, to justice. Um, of course, it's important, as he pointed out as well, that we have a uh, prosecutor that's willing to prosecute them instead of turning them back onto the street. Um, but uh, anyway, that's that's kind of where I'm coming from on, on, on that. And I, and I hear they got rid of the uh, the police monitor uh, from that office now. And I tell you, they need to really they need to hire someone for that job. I'll take that job. I'll be the police monitor because I, I I think I can be a fair person that can look at. Uh, the civilian side of things and the law enforcement side of things and actually come up with the, I think, the best answer for a type of situation uh, without leaning either one way or the other other way. I think some of the ways that we can, you know, that the police department can help themselves is not sending so many police officers to a particular call. For example, uh, when there's a call that goes out, you know, I don't think we should send five cars or four officers to that one particular call of a traffic stop or um, or a DUI stop or whatever it is, you know, it takes one car you know, to answer that call, and if something something arises from that, then they call for backup. You know, I, I think they're responding with too many officers, and that way they can spread themselves out a little more. I do think that we need to make sure that we have the same amount of officers. We need to increase the amount of officers per capita for people in the city. I don't think that we're growing the police department as fast as the city is growing. Uh, and that's a problem on the city's part. That's the mayor, the city council's issue there. So there's some things that we can do, both police department and city council, to fix the issues that we have here. Um, and no one's t- no one's talking to each other. They're actually talking past each other. Uh, and I think that's what the issue is. I think we need to have a civilian oversight where we hold police accountable, where they actually are prosecuted when they do do something wrong. You know, because they shouldn't be held to... Um, a lower standard than than our regular civilians. They should be held to a much greater standard because they are law enforcement. They're trained law enforcement officers, and they know right from wrong. As a commercial driver who has a commercial driver's license, I'm held to a much higher standard. If I get a DUI, matter of fact, if I get stopped and my alcohol content is .04, I think it is, and you have a commercial driver's license, you know, you're going to be held to a much greater standard than someone with a regular driver's license because you're a commercial driver, even if you're in your regular vehicle. So you're held to a much greater standard because you are a commercial driver and you should know better because you're a trained driver. We should do the same thing for law enforcement. We're not holding law enforcement to those standards. So there are things that we can do on the city council side, the mayor side, the things we do on law enforcement side. You know, we're not doing that at all. It's important, though, to train to that higher standard. And as Essel pointed out, and he's exactly right, there wasn't enough money to provide the proper level of training at the beginning, the the amount of time for training and the quality of training, and then the recurring training that is necessary to keep the quality of the force at the highest possible level. So we want a very well-trained, well-equipped, properly equipped uh, professional police department. It's important to have them out there, and it's important to have visibility. But uh, I, I wouldn't... Uh, go with you all the way on on getting rid of the police and and letting us take care of the problem yeah i wouldn't get rid of them we definitely don't need to get rid of we need more police now we need more now on your point about the oversight committee now there are some organizations like the office of police oversight Mm -hmm. or um i believe uh there's another entity um that all yeah pretty much uh entities like of uh office oversight committee Mm -hmm. so Pretty much, these some of these organizations already exist. You know, maybe we need to help these organizations to be able to monitor some of these bad police actors. So I think we, that they don't have power. They they exist, but they exist with no power. They have no authority to do anything. Um, 
they show you can show up at a scene. There's a, a there's a, a let's, let's say there's a officer involved shooting. So everyone shows up. Someone from mayor's office or city council shows up. Someone from the oversight committee or police monitor's office shows up, and someone from you know internal affairs whatever shows up. And but no one has any authority to do anything except the police. You know the police chief. And then, you know, once you get the union involved in that, you know, let's say the officer did do something wrong, it takes a lot to get rid of an officer. You know, there's, there's a whole drawn-out process when it comes to that, and it should not be that difficult. It shouldn't take an act of Congress to get rid of a police officer. And that's almost what it, what it seems like sometimes when, when they actually do something wrong. I'm just being devil's advocate. Yeah, I'm going to say I think that's a matter of perception rather than reality. Okay. Uh, first of all, is the, uh, the first line of, of review, as you point out, is the police chief. There is an oversight uh, uh, function that, that takes place, and the chief has the ability to turn uh, review of very serious issues over to a bigger uh, group of people that can look at it and provide feedback back to the uh, city manager and city council so that the accountability and to do something about it comes from this. When, when the report comes back and you find out that there was an excess force applied or an un- unnecessary force or I- I- in a proper behavior, was applied. The city council, if the if the police chief does nothing about it, the city council has the authority to go in and force the police chief to do something or leave the job. And that's what we have to do. So you hold the people who are responsible for it accountable to do the job that they're supposed to do. But they can't fire the police chief. Who can't? The, the city council. They can tell the city manager that uh, by vote that it's time to get to get rid of the city uh, police but, chief. And but if the city manager it's up refuses, to the city, it's up to the city, it's up to the city manager. And if the city manager refuses, you fire the city manager. So I'm telling you, there is an accountability that can be ha- uh, had. And uh, But what we have to be careful of is that the accountability comes from the right persons. And you made a very good point. You would be good on a uh, oversight committee, Right. Uh, oversight commission mm-hmm. because you have that experience you have some background in law enforcement but you also have a perspective as a, as a civilian as to you know what the expectation should be the proposal that's going to the table today that we may see on the ballot in april says that they want to create an oversight commission and the requirement will be that no one on that commission can have any relationship whatsoever past or present to the law enforcement mm-hmm. well that's insane these are people who don't understand what the job of a law enforcement per- professional is that we're going to say you're going to pass judgment on on the quality of the work that somebody does out on the street. I think that would be a mistake too. You're right. We should have quality people available for oversight uh, to to review and to provide quality input and report back to the police chief, the city manager, and the city council. And then accountability comes through the process that we talked about earlier. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk. Hi, this is Stephen Wolford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Man, I got to talk about some some gun news here. So let's go around just a little bit. Let's go to Colorado real quick. So over in Colorado, there's an assault vehicle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. An assault vehicle. It was a vehicle that committed an assault. <laughs> You're talking about an assault amphibious vehicle? No, no. not a, Well, it could be. An AAVP-7A1? No, not no. that. Not that. No. It's not a Marine so somebody jumped in a vehicle and decided to run over several people on a sidewalk. Oh, that's an assault vehicle. That's an assault vehicle? Okay. Assault is a verb. Right? <laughs> that's right. So one person's dead, seven others injured after a driver plowed a pickup truck into a group of people outside Colorado Bar and Grill early Sunday in what authorities suspect was an intentional act. So driver Ruben Marquez, 29, was taken into custody on charges including murder after allegedly fleeing the scene of the Rock Rest Lodge in Golden, uh, Colorado, there in a Chevy Silverado just at one after 1.30 a.m. in the morning. And that's a similar situation that happened, you know, here in Austin. I tell you, man, this weekend is pretty pretty crazy. Uh, but let's go over to Arizona. We're enough about Texas. Arizona, you know, it, there, it is a thing. And I tell people, you know, you're going out on dates and stuff like that. You know, even if you're going out, you carry a gun. You definitely, you definitely should carry. Uh... I, I tell people, you know, you're you're meeting people in random places, exchanging, you're buying gifts or buying things from individuals like a cell phone or uh, you're buying some some product they're selling online. You know, you the, a good place to meet this person to exchange the money and get the 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 thing that they're selling, the item they're selling is a gun store. You know, but you know, people don't do that. So let's let's talk about dating a little bit. You know, Arizona man shows up for a Tinder meetup. And he gets robbed by armed couple. So, man, you, yeah, I know you're going out on that Tinder date. You're meeting someone. Instead of going straight to the hotel room, meeting someone in the hotel room you never met, you might want to meet in public first. Just use your head. In public, you know, at a place maybe you know, uh, people that know you. So that way, in case something happens, you know, they can say, hey, well, he was with this person right here. Um, you got to be a little smart when it comes to some of this stuff. And I always carry my firearm. You know, uh, yes, you know, even the bed. You know, Zach, you carry your gun to bed? To bed? Yes, to bed. I mean, not into bed. You didn't want to answer that question, did you? <laughs> Close <laughs> enough, though. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You ha- I have my shower gun. I have my <laughs> my bed gun. That's right. Always. That's your toilet gun? I got my toilet gun. Is That's right. also the shower gun? No, it's separate from this shower gun. Different one? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a different one. Toilet gun and the shower gun. That's right. There's a sofa gun. There's a, you know, kitchen gun. There's a, yeah, that's right. Better have that Marine Magnum for the laundry. There's a laundry room gun. Yeah, there's a gun, you know, everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I, 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 you know, when people, you know, kids come to visit, like we, you have some kind of little family, you know, get together. Hold on, you guys need to give me 45 minutes to an hour. I got to clear the guns out and lock them all up because I have guns everywhere. I want to make sure kids don't have access to the firearms. So I have to like take 45 minutes to an hour, lock them all up, and then a lot of kids in the house. That's how we're we responsible. That's right. 
Mm-hmm. Got to be responsible. And, you know, I believe in, you know, I believe in personal protection. Even when you're on dates and things of that nature, you got to be smart. Um, you, you, code words. Code words are very, you know, some very, a very good thing to use. You know, you're going out on a date. You know, you're meeting someone. Uh, let's say you're a realtor and you're going out to meet a customer. Uh, and it's it's smart to meet that person in the office, take a picture of their ID, um, maybe send it to someone along with their contact info, their phone number or something like that, and then have a little word in your phone that you can text in case there's an emergency when you're going out and showing this person different properties. It's very common for real estate agents to be sexually assaulted while they're out showing properties. Very common. People don't like to talk about that. You know, it's, it's very common for business owners to to be robbed or followed from the bank or their business while they're going to the bank or from the bank or to their house, you know, and robbed. You know, they force you to go to the you know the ATM. They force you, you know, to go to the bank or whatever for one reason or the other to take money from you. So it's a very common thing. So we got to be smart when it comes to these things. Don't take the same route. Don't do the same routine. Uh, you're out dating. Take your gun. Be smart. Don't Meet- go straight to her hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get what you don't want to get. So it was her uh, and another man were waiting for this Tinder date to show up in the hotel room. Jose and Crystal. Mm-hmm. They were both arrested in connection with robbery after several days on the run. Uh, so man, and they're a runchy little bunch too. But ooh, Oof. you see the picture? You see her picture? Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, definitely got to pass on that one. The victim was then ordered to was drive uh, drive the suspects to a nearby Chase Bank. The suspects left with the vehicle. Victim stated that nine hundred dollars was taken from the Chase Bank on September the seventeenth from the drive through, and a total of three thousand had been taken from his account since the initial incident. Um, man, so very very crazy, very crazy situation. Got to be aware of surrounds at all times, and don't let the little head think for the big head. Just saying. Yeah, and there's another similar story. Well, not exactly the same, but some crazy young lady lured her Tinder date to her house and then tied him up with duct tape and <laughs> choked him and slashed him with a knife. So you really can use duct tape for a lot of different things. Yeah, if you wrap it enough times. Wow. You got to be really strong to get out of that. <laughs> no. But she beat no, him up I a little bit, slashed him, choked him. <laughs> and then she ordered DoorDash. What? Yes. Are you serious? <laughs> and that's that how that's how she got caught. Nope. And nope. she told the guy, "Hey, if you scream and try and alert this DoorDash driver, I will kill you." Wow. And so he didn't. And then she ate, and then she got into bed with him. And only when she fell asleep did he, did he get loose. get up with his hands tied. I don't know if his feet were tied, but he got to the door parking lot of the apartment complex, and that's where police picked him up naked. Wow. And that's how she naked, got tied up. Wow. Or taped up. Crying like a little baby. Wow. <laughs> but, well, see, you need to go to Krav Maga. You need to go to Mai Tai <laughs> and learn how to defend yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop laughing. <laughs> or Poor just guy. carry a gun, right? Poor guy. Yeah. Well, no, the gun's not for everybody. So there's Mai Tai. There's uh, Krav Maga and things of that nature also. Man, a Florida man shot himself. Uh, I'm sorry. A Florida man shot at homeless Family in five in a car. You see that story? That's that's a weird story. So a Florida man has been arrested after investigators say he opened fire on a homeless family of five who were sleeping in their car at a park in Tampa. Uh, Christopher 
Stamet Jr., 21, is facing six felony charges following the shooting that unfolded around 4.30 a.m. Wednesday on the uh, 2200 of North Oregon Avenue there in Tampa. So He hit the pregnant mom in the head with one of the bullets. Wow. But she suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Oh, man. Very sad situation there. I don't even know how you can avoid something like that. And you have just, you know, you're out, you're sleeping in a vehicle, you know, because you're homeless. And this guy just randomly picks, you know, just picks you as the next victim. That's just an insane, crazy. Is it crazy or is it evil? That's evil. That definitely is evil. Mm-hmm. Evil like this next story, the machete. <laughs> machete wielding robber may be linked to nine cases on Runberg Lane here in Austin, Texas. Right here? Right here in With Austin, machete? Texas. Austin, Texas, baby. <laughs> Authorities think that uh, nine robberies along Runberg Lane in Austin, Texas over the past month could be linked to one machete-wielding man who investigators are hoping can be identified with the help of witnesses. The man, who's described as possibly being in his mid-30s, standing between 6 feet and 6 six feet 10 inches, tall and muscular, had a machete, a firearm, and a bat throughout the string of robberies between September the 9th and October the 4th, according to Austin police. He wore dark clothes and a face covering in all of the crimes and sometimes wore gloves, according to the investigators. All nine robberies took place along adjacent to West Rumberg Lane, stretching from the east side of Monarch Highway all the way to Northgate Boulevard to west, according to the authorities there. Man, so he was, good Lord. That's pretty, pretty intense there with a machete. Most of the victims are Hispanic or non-English speaking. Mm. So he's possibly profiling, I think. And this this all all plays into what we're talking about here. We're talking with you know candidates that are running for city council. We're talking about making changes to our city. We're talking about doing something different, not putting that same type of person with the same mentality uh, in that position. We're talking about doing something different, um, and we're talking about you know reinforcing our law enforcement, holding them accountable. Uh, we're talking about you know you know, increasing the amount of police officers that we have on the street per capita for the amount of people that we have in this city. The city of Austin is growing. It's growing fast. It's growing faster than we, you know, than we can keep up. But we got to make sure that our police force is also growing and our resources are growing as well. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on Noir, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Let's go over to North Carolina. So a gunman has been identified as a 15-year-old Austin Thompson. He shot his 16-year-old brother, James, dead. He then murdered Susan Carnett's 49, Nicole Connors, 52, Mary Marshall, 35, and an off-duty police officer, Gabriel Torres, 29. Nicole's husband, Tracy, was found, uh, found her dead in the street along with their dog. He also shot the dog. Which had also been, and um, and he, I guess he shot the dog right in the middle of the street there. And witnesses said Austin looked like a baby. He, they thought he was 13 years old. 
uh, but he's actually 15. He shot the dog. He shot the dog. And murdered five people. Mm-hmm. He's 15 years old. At 15, you can't buy a gun at 15. So he shot a neighbor that was walking her dog and then shot her dog? And was dressed. he was dressed in camouflage while carrying a long rifle. Police have not yet revealed the gunman's motive, and it's unclear how he obtained the the rifle. And and he is in the hospital now. So let's, let's take a listen to the uh, the 911 call. 47 seconds. 911, what's the location of your emergency? Hey, Osprey Cove Drive. Osprey Cove Drive. Man, that white girl just came through with a chopper and killed my buddy. Get her ASAP. Yes, sir. We're going to go ahead and get some help out there. You said you've been shot? Yeah. Yeah. You said it was with a shotgun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was walking with camo on. He went back to the New Jersey Trail. Walking. Okay. He was with camo. Hey, he's standing on the Okay. Okay, just one moment for me, okay? All right, we're getting everyone out there as quick as we can. That's my car. It's an officer. He works for y'all. He works for y'all. You said it's an officer? Now, we talk about this stuff in our Likes to Carry handgun course all the time. Um, it's important that when you're calling 911, you've got to be a good witness. you gotta, you got to try to talk calm as possible. I know it's very traumatic in what you're experiencing, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're smelling. But you've got to give that dispatcher clear information. you got to be able to tell them your name, your address, uh, what's going on. They need to know who the bad person is, what they're wearing, uh, what they're doing uh, and you got to be able to you know relate that information as clear as possible so they can get police there without having to repeat you know and ask you that same question over and over again because uh, they you see that you hear this it's very hard to understand what this guy's saying um he almost confused the dispatcher because dispatchers say well oh is it a police officer you know didn't didn't know you know where it was going with that so you kind of a police officer actually was shot an off-duty police officer was shot but you couldn't understand that, you know, in the 911 call. Um, and so you couldn't understand the fact he said he shot the dog. He, he shot um, another lady. 
He, you know, shot other people as well. He shot a little a kid as well. You can understand that, you know, in that call. So you got to click. You got to be able to speak real clear and be a good witness and give them the information so they can get police there as quick as possible. And so that when police arrive at the scene, they know what they're expecting. They know what they're going into. They want to know, you know, exactly who they need to go to as far as the bad person. You know, who they need to direct, you know, paramedics to as far as who's injured. It's important that you give them that that clear information. And we, we talk about this all the time, in, you know, in, in the class, in the, in the firearm safety course, um, because usually when police arrive at the scene, they don't know who you are. They don't know you're the homeowner. Uh, they don't know if you're the bad guy, the good guy, the homeowner, you know. So it's important that, one, you don't have a gun in your hand, you know, because they don't know who you are. So we talk about all that stuff. So be that good witness. What do you guys think? What do you think, Zach? I mean, those are wise words, yeah. <laughs> and this this is a crazy situation out of Raleigh. Man, um, man and, and, and now they're calling for an assault weapons ban. They're calling for all kinds of crazy things. Uh, this kid was 15 years old. He had a shotgun. He was 15. So, so this goes back to what I always say, parenting. You know, we need to go back to parenting. Um, you, you need to... Uh, as parents, you need you should know if your kid is capable of handling certain different things as parents. And and the problem in all these different shootings, we go back and we look at the parents and we say, oh, there lies the problem. You know, bad parents. You know, look at how they're conducting themselves. Look at that, what they're saying. I look at the shooting in Uvalde, you know, bad parenting all around. Mother's not there. Father's not there. The, living, the kid's living with grandparents who are incapable of handling him, you know, at their age. You know, bad parenting. You go to all these different little shooting, you know, cases here, and you break it down, and it always go back goes back to bad parenting. Um, we always want to blame the tools instead of, you know, really looking at what the situation is. And um, you know, um, if you don't mind me cutting in, yeah, I actually do it. have like a solution for this. Uh, one thing I want to do in District Three is that I want to create a program that's uh, that's run by retired veterans, retired police officers, retired teachers, where. Uh, all the kids that get in trouble in middle school and high school, instead of being suspended for two weeks, uh, home alone, or being in a room by themselves in ISS for alone, create this program where these um, these retired members, they take all these kids in, be like, hey, you know, we're going to go and clean up the cities. We can, you know, maybe clean up some homeless camps areas and then give them some guidance counseling. Be like, hey, this is going to be your future if you don't fix it. So we need to re-bring the communities back and really train these kids. Because a lot of these people, especially with the inflations, they have to work two or three jobs. Kids are by themselves mostly, especially with the breaking down of the nuclear family. So I think it's better to have a lot of these uh, retired veterans, retired teachers, you know, create a program, bring all these kids in that are trouble, or people that are on parole. You know, if you want to lessen your time, help clean up the street, and then you could go back to the school earlier or get off of parole or you. That's one of the things I want to do to reduce a lot of these crimes. I have a question. Sure, uh, go for it. What do you all think about, well, number one, is there there's a general uh, disregard for other people yes. right now going on in the world? You know, uh, rudeness, just general rudeness uh, and uh, a disregard for human life. Yes. All right. What's the core reason behind that? Well, one of them, as you point out, Michael, is parenting, bad parenting, and now this kid gets into some kind of, a difficult situation. They're angry. They're, you know, they're frustrated. They don't know how to express themselves, so they do it violently. But what about this? Is that do you think that there's any blame to be placed on the makers of our video gaming that that uh, makes part of the process of winning the game blowing away 
dozens and dozens of people out there. Just uh, what, what's what's the big one that everybody's plays? Like Call uh, of Duty or something? I mean, yeah, I, Call of Duty, yeah. those type of things. I think there's some responsibility that falls on that. What it does is it, it, it teaches you to uh, do this these mass assaults. And, and I wonder, of these kids that have had problems where there have been assaults, has there been an investigation into the background? Is, is this something that they did regularly? Is this where they learned to disregard human life to the level that they do? Or is it uh, just that they see on the news that other people have done it and now they're copycats? Well, I don't think uh, video games like that are any different from what you'd see in movies in Hollywood, you know. Very good point. Because if you're going to do a shooting because you played too much Call of Duty, then there's something already just wrong with you, yeah. you know? If you can't discern a video game from reality or you get your cues on how to navigate the world through a video game, then you got issues. Yeah. Yeah. But you make a good point, too, about movies. It's a general uh, glorification of violence. And mm-hmm. uh, that, that, to me... Is problematic. I don't know what the solution is. All I know is that it uh, certainly contributes to the to the general disregard for human life that exists within our society. It's kind of a shame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I play video games, shooting all the time out there. I used to be a troublemaker, but what saved me and all my friends is the community involvement. You know, going to church here. I mean, I'm Buddhist, but I go to church organization, civil patrol, Boy Scout activities having some sort of like a father figure or mom figure or some kind of a guide and counselor saying, hey, these are just fun video games. But listen, in reality, this is what's going to happen. You, you, boys got to be boys. Girls got to be boys. Or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. You, you could do whatever you want to do, but learn that in reality, there's consequences if you do bad. Yeah, and I don't want to sound like I want to take video games right. away. That's certainly not my imp- uh, intent. However, if you're going to take my gun away, then I'm taking your video game away. How's that? <laughs> fair is fair. fair. <laughs> All right, so when we come back from the break, I want to go over uh, some letters that I, I, I get in the mail. I'm talking snail mail, letters that actually get mailed to us oh, wow. from uh, listeners and people that you know, see us see us on the news and want to reach out to us and, and, and let us know that they're paying attention and they want to give us their response. I want to read those when we come back. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk. This is Brittany Glaze, and I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we have elections coming up soon. The early voting is going to start here very quickly. So you should get out there and early vote. Uh, go online to your county's uh, clerk's office and get a printout of what's going to be on the ballot so that you can educate yourself before you get to the poll and then go out and vote that day. We have inside the studio General Bill Welch, District 5. General Welch, how can people find you? Uh, you can reach me at uh, billwelch.org, B-I-L-L-W-E-L-C-H dot O-R-G. That's my website. And if you scroll down to the bottom, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to find my email is electgeneralwelch at gmail.com. He's running for Austin City Council, District 5. Also, we have in the studio, Eslo Wishner. 
He's running for District 3 Austin City Council. How can we find you? Yeah, you know, my website is uh, wouuniversal.com, so it's spelled W-U-E, universal.com. I have a phone number in there. You can shoot me a text, give me a call. I have a lot of great ideas. Um, you know, donation would be amazing, so I could get my voice out there more. So that's my website, wououniversal.com. All right, so let's go over some of these letters here. I get um, different clippings in the mail. Oh, I got mail. Yay! Yay! Got I got mail. You know, that sounds like you right there. <laughs> does it really? It really does. All right, so. It sounds like you. <laughs> no, it sounds like you. Really he did that because of what you said. <laughs> Reminded him of you okay. for some reason. All right. So, uh, how come I don't get mail? How come it's just you? You, you get letters, they're addressed to the radio show. Uh, okay, you get okay. letters in the mail. What do these letters say? Okay, well, all right, here, uh, here you go. I'll let oh. you take a look at this one. Okay, it's a yeah. news article clipping. It's news article clipping. Okay, go ahead. What is it about? It says, MC, this article is so backwards. I wonder if the author really believes it. <laughs> Thought you may want to read it. All right, go Great ahead. show, a regular listener. All right, go ahead. Hey, this it. looks like your handwriting. It Michael. is not my <laughs> handwriting. Go ahead. Yes, I wrote it to myself. Shut up. <laughs> go ahead, read it. It's about the uh, migrants getting sent to New York. Okay. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas recently sent dozens of buses full of migrants to New York. The move comes in response to the increasing number of Central American families seeking asylum in the U.S. However, Abbott has made it clear that he does not believe these asylum seekers should be given refuge in Texas and is sending them to New York. Because mm. New York is a sanctuary state. That's right. right. Or is New York City a sanctuary city? city. I can't yeah. remember. Uh-huh. One of those. But they're basically saying, hey, if you're illegal, you can come here and it's okay. We won't deport you or legally punish you in any way. Right? Right. Uh, so... Governor Abbott's decision has been criticized by many on both sides of the aisle. Some argue that Abbott is simply trying to score political points by sending these migrants to another state, while others feel that the governor is within his rights to send people away. Hmm. Hmm. The decision by Governor Abbott to send migrants who cross the southern border to New York instead of leaving them in Texas, where the climate and much of the culture are similar to Mexico, is a cruel act of hate. (laughs) <laughs> he has repeatedly shown that he does not care about the well-being of immigrants, but only about his political agenda. Sending these people to a cold, alien place like New York instead of a place where they can be comfortable and safe is nothing less than callous. Mm. Ooh, so the sanctuary city is unsafe in Texas. The sanctuary city... Uh, oh, yeah. So Texas is safe and comfortable. Yeah, I could agree with that. I've never even been to New York, but uh, <laughs> I'd rather be here. <laughs> oh boy, I don't. I don't think it's cold and callous, uh, but it, it, New it, York. Yeah, from everything I've heard, I haven't been there, it's, but uh, it's, it's cold and callous, <laughs> right? It's cold, <laughs> and isn't it callous? It's not too? a cold and callous move to send people there. It's a cold and callous place. Yeah, I, I yeah, because I I think that you know we're saying look, you know we're 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 bearing the brunt of this you know we need to share this throughout the entire united states you know share this problem since you know there are people in new york having opinions about this well you've having opinions about this here let me let's share the problem how much you help us out a little bit you know because we're using all our resources here in texas let's send them to new york and other places where you guys say you're a sanctuary city so you obviously can handle you know 
some of the problem as well. That's easy to have an opinion about something that doesn't really affect you. Right. right? It's exactly. easy to say, come what on, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you nail it with that right there. And that's what it was all about. It's not just about uh, scoring political points. It's about sending a message to the rest of the country. There's a very, very serious issue going on here in Texas. We can't handle it alone. And you need to begin to recognize that it's a serious issue. And the best way to do that is to help have you have to deal with it as well. I think that has something to do with it. All right. So I'm going to let you read that that next letter there that came. You want me to read this one? Yeah, go ahead and read that one. Next letter. Mr. Cargill, my wife just bought a 22 rifle from Bass Pro Shop. They have their, quote, government forms on their computer. With three employees standing over her shoulder, it took 45 minutes for her to respond to nearly 50 required questions about her identity. All this was required, even though she is a concealed carry permit holder previously vetted by the FBI. We have forfeited our rights as we, the people, to face to faceless bureaucrats who created these endless requirements and misconstrue legislation in ways never intended. These bureaucrats do not serve us. We serve them or else. When I asked for a copy of her completed forms, I was told it was illegal for them to give us a copy and that there was no way legally for Bass Pro Shops to provide a copy to her. I take that to mean that the bureaucrats do not intend to allow anyone to file a lawsuit and prove that their questions are beyond the legislation's requirements. I wonder if your organization will file a lawsuit to make the government at least provide copies of their onerous forms. I will certainly contribute to the cost of a lawsuit. I would say for this this person here, you should go to a mom and pop gun store. You know, mom and pop gun stores will give you copies of the forty four seventy three that you're filling out. Because what you're talking about is one into a gun store and you're filling out a forty four seventy three, the firearms transaction record, and you're filling that out on the computer. They should be able to print a copy of what you just signed because you signed and swore that the information that you put down was correct, and you need to be able to have a copy of what you filled out. And, and, and keep a copy of that. There's no reason why you can't have a copy. This is a big box store, a major chain. They just don't want to give you a copy of the form that you filled out. So shop at your mom and pop stores, and they'll be happy to give you a copy of the form that you filled out. That, that's going to be my solution to that. All right. Now, the last letter. I got to say the hate mail for last. <laughs> this last letter comes from the, the city of Colleen, Texas. All right, came from Colleen, and it says, Dear sellers, <laughs> if you are selling assault weapons and high, and this is a letter, by the way, a letter, handwritten letter, okay? You are selling assault weapons and high capacity magazines to the public. You are, in all caps, selling to mass murderers. In all caps, it says, No civilians, law abiding or not, should or need any assault weapon, in all caps, or high-capacity magazines, in all caps. Nor do they need, in all caps, to be stockpiling, in all caps, any guns or ammo. If you are selling to those who stockpile guns or ammo, you are selling to deranged individuals with the intent of mass shootings. Assault weapons are military-grade weapons designed for mass shootings, and so are high-capacity magazines. Even the Second Amendment requires regulation. It says a well-regulated militia, which simply means even the military, is to be regulated. 
We are basically killing ourselves with the idiocracy that we must arm ourselves for protection against possible dangers and threats that may that more than likely don't exist. And if you are advertising the sale of these assault weapons, you are advertising to possible killers and mass murderers. Furthermore, if someone buys these assault weapons and high capacity magazines from from you, you should be held accountable for each and every one they every one of the killings with these weapons. And this is from a person named Gene. I can't make out the last name out of Colleen, Texas. Really? <sighs> what do you say to that, Zach? I'll let you call Yes, super fans, Michael. <laughs> Assault weapons. Oh, my goodness. I mean, the only so thing I, I got to say to that is, like, what happened when the zombie apocalypse come? Like, how am I going to deal with all these zombies? Like, I, I need those. I mean, there's so many zombies might come up, you know? Sound like this person writing you a letter is a zombie. <laughs> Assault weapon. Oh, my so goodness. So, at the beginning of every class, I asked students, okay, this is an AR. What does AR stand for? First answer is always assault rifle. Assault weapon. Assault or automatic rifle. rifle. Nope. Armalite rifle. It is not an assault rifle. It is not an automatic rifle. If you call it that, I'm not going to listen to whatever else you say afterwards. So this letter we're going to burn because you don't even know what the rifle is called. Just flush it. That's right. As always, people, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Jack Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.